The expression, everyone's a critic, recognizes those who express opinions on a particular subject, regardless of their actual qualifications. Meet Mike and Julie. They are makers of art, appreciators of artistry, and possessors of more college degrees than is truly necessary in life. These two overly educated friends are uniquely qualified to explore the deep, dark corners of the art world and push the boundaries of that all-important question. But is it art? Mike! Julie! <laughs> Guess what? What? We have a new segment. A new segment. I heard about it. I heard it, about it. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, it's called Knee Jerk Reactions. <laughs> we are going to show each other something neither of us has seen before and just record our knee jerk reactions. Got it. I think it's going to be awesome. I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> I actually sent you an Instagram profile earlier to get today because it, it took a little time to peruse, I'm sure. Um, and yes, you actually, did. And uh, I want your knee jerk reaction. I told you no Googling, no like looking up theory other than like what the artist had to say for themselves. And um, let me make sure I have her name correct. Her name is, this... is Doreen Lynette Garner. Yes. Uh, she also goes by King Cobra. And she makes silicone silicone art. Silic like just It's silicone. poured silicone, I think. Okay. And then like she adds things like hair and staples and other things. She makes these large scale sculptures and we'll 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 put a link to Yes, we'll that put a link in the comment section. Yeah, we'll link to this Instagram page. And um you want my knee-jerk reaction right yeah, now? Yeah, I want your knee-jerk reaction, Mona. I'm horrified. You're I'll be back. <laughs> is, the, is that what you were hoping for? I don't know. It's very graphic. I mean. It's horribly graphic. Uh, and in a way you don't recognize, which I think is what's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a lot of, oh, my God, how do I even start? Um, well, did you read? What she had to say about it, like her commentary. Her no, comments. you told me not to read anything. You told oh, me no. no I Google. told you. I meant. I meant not to read any sort of like critiques. I'm sorry. Oh that was no, I, I have helpful. I have not read a thing. So if you've read something, please. Okay, I'll so, let you do that. But I'm just responding to, to the pieces your, and the um, photographs. Yes, your initial response to the images. Yes, like I mean, I can probably take a stab at. Her intent. Okay. And a lot of her work, just looking at it, it's a lot, it's grotesque. Mm -hmm. It is very grotesque. Yes. A lot of it looks like open wounds and teeth made out of exacto blades and screws. And um, you yes. can't tell what these things are. You, go, you don't know if it's human flesh or fish flesh or... If it's flesh, you can't tell. It's it's a lot of meat-looking things and ham and oh my god, I can't even ham. And, it's not ham. It's silicone. No, but that's but, what it looks like. Yeah, you know? it does. And it looks like hearts that have been 
mutilated open and then tried to um you know repair or at least put down to or at least uh you know try to heal anyway it's weird but as grotesque as it is as it is it you don't recognize anything anatomically which mm-hmm. i think is part of the point she does have a giant i want to just say she has a giant like shark she does have a shark shaped thing that is actually visually referencing work by Damien Hirst. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yes, I am. I know. I think I know which piece you're talking about. Yeah, too. he would like take uh, live dead sharks. I mean, not live sharks, but sharks that had been medical specimens and or scientific specimens, I should say. Real, real sharks. Real sharks. And then sort of cut them into slices and then he would suspend them in formaldehyde and encase that in glass and you would see like the cross section of the shark and she kind of has that same thing but it's it's not an actual shark it's in a shark shape yeah and her shark is um it's clear it, it is not meant to look and you know like a real shark yeah right not her, meant she to stays be an anatomically that, but, correct but shark. it is still open and bloody and mm-hmm been ravaged so what is your impression of it what is my impression of what it? what do you this? think it is trying to say or what does it say to you well, um i'm uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. and that's just me as a human being and i recognize that i don't like gore i don't like you know this kind of thing however looking at it it you know there is a statement there is a statement of oh you know it's it's things we don't know fighting with the idea that we are we you know she's forcing us to look at what is uncomfortable she's forcing yes, us to look at things that will might make us queasy and she's forced in these things that might make us queasy are still I'm very curious about but I don't want to get near it because whatever I don't know I'm struggling with it right now right now the most the one that has the most um most direct impact, impact is this one of what looks to be the American flag made out of strips of hide yeah it's like the Betsy Ross It's like flag. the Betsy Ross flag, but all the colors are flesh tone. Yeah, and the back of it looks like um like it came right off whatever was alive. Like it was peeled right off and then stitched together and mm-hmm. I mean that one because of the the Betsy Ross flag on the front, you know, that one you know, Amer- you know, it's got a much clearer message. And what do you think that uh, is? I mean, America was formed on the flesh of others. Specifically? Specifically African-American black people. Right. And the artist herself is African-American. Right. That should be made clear. There's a couple other flags that are hand-stitched that are, again, just strips of what looks to be 
skin, leather in the various shades of black people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, but like the, the, the other bits that don't visually look like something like that, it's still in the, you know, it's in these, it's in the vein of something alive has been torn apart and parts Mm -hmm. of it have been left and attempted to be stitched back together. Yeah. A lot of it stitched back together. There's a there's barbed wire holding this stuff together. Uh, there's these Mm -hmm. weird pieces of silicone with, you know, like pearls hanging on it. You know, we're tearing things Mm -hmm. apart for beautiful, tiny little objects, but there's so much gore and gore is not the right word. So much violence, violence, and so much waste involves yeah so much waste and violence and, and disre- torture yeah, disregard for the living thing that it was i agree and just to sort of give you a sense of what she says about it um and, and in 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 what it is referencing is that <clears throat> for a long time i mean we took black people's autonomy and used it to give ourselves as white people, beautiful things, beautiful lives, beautiful, you know, homes. And we also used them medically Mm -hmm. as scape as guinea pigs, Um, the Tuskegee, you know, project. And I don't know if you're aware, um, but there was several experiments done on black women um, from this historically relevant gynecologist. He would do surgery on them without anesthesia. Oh, I had yeah. heard of it. I don't but, know. I know very little about mm-hmm. it, but yes. It was part of the early era of obstetrics and gynecology when they were discovering how it all kind of worked. And um, the belief was that, you know, black people didn't feel those kinds of pain. Hmm. They didn't know, you know, that that was their way right. of sort of it's easy distancing themselves to, you know, they're so yeah. different that we can assume anything. Mm-hmm. And we can abuse them in any way we want. Um, is that what our artist friend is reacting to, Ms. Garner? Yeah, uh, she mentions that a few times. And in a few of these photos, there's some early surgical tools sort of laid out next to glass containers full of parts. These, yeah, hearts and parts and things. And it is grotesque. It, I agree. It's, uh, there's also the, these images of fluids of all different colors that are made out of silicone. Mm -hmm. You know, she specifically wants to reference pus and right infection and such like, 
And later in some of her work, she attaches long pieces of dreadlocked hair, which is, uh, as you may know, black hair has often been, you know, stigmatized as not appropriate or dirty, especially if it's dreadlocked. Judged as unprofessional. Yeah, right up to the fifties and sixties. Yet still, oh, even today I'm sure. Even even today, now there's more things in place to allow black people to have their hair in more natural ways in the workplace. But prior to even twenty years ago, that wasn't the case. So. But even even without those uh, out that information, I think you were getting the raw right feeling from it, and the grotesqueness, the desire to move away from it, which is natural, right. right? I mean, and maybe that's part of what she intends is to be like, "Hey, I'm going to shove this thing in your face that you don't want to look at." That, right. That you know, and a lot of even though a lot of the pieces aren't anatomically recognizable from either human mm-hmm. or animal or anything else, there are, oh, what's the right word? Hints, whiffs of the human being. You know, these flags, mm-hmm. these flags with the brown leather. There's, you know, there's nipples. You know, some of these things look like uh, female genitalia. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The pieces with the experiment with the equipment, the doctor's equipment, and the jars. I mean, a couple of them are placed with um, twigs of the cotton plant, hearkening mm-hmm. back to the plantations. And I mean, the clues are there. And anybody with it's a lot. It's a, I mean, yeah, it's a lot. But, you know, I want to say that I had just discovered her like two days ago. Really. Yeah, so this is not someone I had been familiar with. And to, I was, I had the same reaction you did because I'm not one for body horror. That's the, I guess that's the term right. for the more physically gory types of uh, horror that we see in cinema or TV or whatever, the visual world. Um, and I was also you know, repulsed. I was like, what, why would you want to recreate these, you know, wounds and flesh, diseased flesh? There's a couple uh, flags that are made of like white diseased flesh, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously with some sort of dermatological scourge. And, um, and then I started thinking about what she was trying to possibly say and reading what she had to say. Um, and it made sense. Yeah. And I, I, I think it, it absolutely makes sense. Even with that just tiny bit of information about her mindset and where she's coming from, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and e- although I'll go ahead. say even, but, and the more we talk and the more I think about these things, it's a lot about uh, a lot of these imagery. A lot of these images look like they belong inside a living being and not outside. 
these things should yeah. not be seen. And I think that in a giant metaphorical sense is part of it. You know, you can only get so mm -hmm. much, you know, it, it's the explosion. It's how much can you keep inside before it bursts open? How mm -hmm. awful of a people or of a race are we that we get to these degrees of, like you said, disease on the inside? How corrupt are we on the inside? And mm -hmm. a lot of it, a lot of this work, a lot of these pieces are showing you just how corrupt we are on the inside. I mean, that's my big metaphorical take on it. No, I think you're right. I agree. I, I will say that, and I don't know if this is true for you. Um, when I first looked at it without reading anything about the context, I didn't get it. I didn't get all the meaning behind it. Um, and I'm wondering, I, I have this little pet peeve about going to an art gallery and there being like a block of text next to a piece of work and it not being self-explanatory by looking at it. Like, I understand the need for a certain degree of context. Mm -hmm. However, in my you know, undergraduate opinion. And I say that because this is something that I developed as an undergrad. Um, <laughs> uh, not to diss any undergrads out there who might be listening. You're, you're certainly, you know, uh, developing and, and bright enough to come up with your own stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying that it bugs me when there has to be so much explanation, like, how much explanation is too much explanation? Shouldn't the work be speaking for itself? Uh, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Certain pieces need explanation. Certain, you know, but if it needs so much, but if the explanation is more than the artwork. <laughs> yeah. You spent more and time that's writing that I mean. paper yeah. than you did painting that painting. Some of it is so vague. Uh, I think when you first see it, like, um, the close-ups, I guess, of some of the, like the open wounds and things like that, where you're just looking at the, the physicality of it. Um, you're like, oh, that's just a depiction of something disgustingly physical. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, without like something like the flag or those medical tools or, you know, the sprig of cotton what and whatnot, it, it isn't exactly clear. It's more like, oh, this is just some really great uh, silicone craftsmanship. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, because I think you're, you're, you're right on both accounts and that the initial viewing of it is just shock. And mm -hmm. I'm still going through it. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, because the more you look at it, you're like, holy oh mother of yeah. God. <laughs> Sweet McGillicuddy, what are they doing there? Um, yeah. And, and yes, if this is all made out of man-made materials, silicone and paint and what have you, um, mm -hmm. it's incredible, incredible work, craftsmanship. It really is. Because you wouldn't look at that and say, 
oh, that's a hunk of silicone, or oh, that's that's rubber or something. It's Not disgusting. It's so horrifying. You're like, oh my god, that looks really real, like something right. you'd see. Like it's like one of those things, you know. I don't know whether you ever do this. Like you have something on your skin, and then you Google it, and then you are like, whoa, shouldn't have done that. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, but I will tell you now that I've had what fifteen, twenty minutes to uh, collect my emotional absorb thoughts it. Here. It does. I mean, it can't. You can't help be impacted. Past the, Past initial, the initial shock. Shock. If you can stay with it for a few minutes and look at it and realize, you know, and even if you're not trying to get, you know, trying to find a rhyme or reason to it, you're going to walk away with something, you know. But it's <laughs> she's really pulling, and I pardon this phrase. I really. But she really is pulling deep from what's inside of me to pull something out, you know? I mean, she's sitting real deep and real deep in my psyche. What do you mean? Can you be more, uh, can you can say, say more, more about, about that? that? Um, let me try. I don't know if I can. Um, I'm not the kind of person, I don't go looking for this kind of stuff. I hate horror movies. I don't go to haunted houses. I hate yeah, spirit I'm the same. Halloween. I'm the same. Because, you know, there's, inevitably there's this jump scare and there's these gross things. And, you know, that's I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm not thick on that either. It. I have. Yeah, that's another story for another day. Um, so looking at this stuff, it it falls right into that. Okay, I don't need to see any more. I'm done. But, it, you know, mm -hmm. it does. It grabs my attention. <laughs> And it grabs my attention in ways I don't like. And it grabs my attention mm -hmm. in a logical sense in ways I want to understand it. I'm actively trying to look at it and either make sense of it logically, make sense of it emotionally. And I think, it, you know, part mm -hmm. of it is, and I'm just rambling, and my emotional, it triggers me emotionally first. Mm -hmm. And that's something I realize I'm not used to. When I seek out art, I seek huh. out things that trigger me logically, intellectually. Yeah. Visually. I mean, whether it's visual or, you know, whatever senses hit me, there's, you know, I mm -hmm. appreciate the logic and... Um, yeah, this is very visceral. I mean, it's very, very visceral and it's very, very, and I think that one sense that you get from it is of a lot mm -hmm. of pain that the suffering that must've been involved if this were, if, because your mind automatically, I think, and I'm just spewing too, uh, you know, your mind automatically assumes that it's real. Because it looks right. real. So there's a trick in your head a little bit about that, which is how essentially body horror works. You know, it looks real. So then you get a sense of um, how it must have felt. By the way, I learned that that is the result of what we call mirror neurons in our brain, okay. by the way. Fun little sidebar to look up later. Um, 
And she wants you to feel that pain. She wants you to imagine that thing, I think. Yeah, and I suspect Um, she wants mm -hmm. you to feel the pain. And I think she wants Mm -hmm. us as viewers to see the pain within her or others or... Or to reckon with it. Yeah, to really go... Hey, this is some. This is the reality mm-hmm. of it, and you know. And then, the, um, and here, right? Deal with it because of the huge impact. Because of the huge, I mean, like you said, viscerally. It, for me, it's very big, and that it's not just pain of me, pain of you, but it's pain of generations. You know, there's the disease mm-hmm. of generations, and she's laying it all bare for us, and it's just. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so yeah. So sitting here talking and finding the logic behind it, I'm easier with it. But just mm-hmm. Me know, too. the initial shock is just, wow. And, you know, I wonder, like, if the initial shock isn't part of it as well. It's like she wants to shock you. She's not going to sugarcoat it. She's going to just shove oh, yeah. it all out there. Here I mean, it is. Clearly, she has no you know? intention of you know, walk holding your hand through whatever she has to say. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here it Absolutely. is. Which is kind of powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really oh, it's is. very powerful. Absolutely so, powerful. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, n- neither of us being big horror fans, you know, as we were talking, I was thinking, maybe this is what people who actually are horror fans get out of watching that stuff besides the shock value besides the besides the what's the word i'm looking for the sort of uh uh voyeuristic looky-loo sort of thing onto other onto violence i don't know but i guess i'm saying my, my point here is uh i i just wonder if if that's the same kind of feeling that people who do watch body horror stuff, if they get that sort of sense of a bigger, a bigger message, or if they're just there for the thrills and chills. I can't tell I you know. because I don't, like I said, I, I avoid that stuff. I listening to you, I do too. listening to you talk <laughs> about it. I realize. I'm amazingly fragile. <laughs> I won't. I am no, too. But, so but I even totally watching the Zodiac it. stuff and the psychological thriller stuff, mm-mm, I won't do it. You're not there I, for I, it. I mean, I've mm. I've spent too many years trying to avoid the conflict, avoid the avoidable conflicts. You know, I don't need to read the Enquirer and see who's bitching about who. I could give a rat's ass about harry and megan you know <laughs> oh See? i love harry and megan and i love celebrity gossip which is i don't know it's it, it, not to compare body horror or, or racial uh uh generational trauma to um you know celebrity gossip certainly not i'm i think we're just taking a, a minor yeah. detour <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. here um but uh just saying like i just there is some sort of 
thrill in that it's it's like to me it's like disposable candy it's like i don't drink i don't do drugs so i read celebrity gossip and eat sugar okay you know but i think but again <laughs> to your point my... you know is do we absolutely you know do we engage in it for a human reason maybe to feel alive maybe to feel our humanity i always uh my friend steve hi steve in case you're listening, uh, is a psychotherapist and, uh, he's, a uh, someone who believe, uh, follows sort of a depth psychology model, which is more like, um, Jungian and, um, Adlerian, which not to throw those names around sort of willy nilly and, and sort of, um, make myself sound smart, but, uh, just to say, he believes things on an unconscious level. Sometimes we choose things without being consciously aware of why. And one time I remember being in the car with him and we were stuck in traffic because people had stopped to look at a car wreck Mm -hmm. and people, you know, that's something that humans do sort of notoriously, obviously. And, um, he yelled out the window, would you just fucking move? Can't you feel your own humanity in another way? And I just burst out laughing. I was like, oh, my God, he's so right. (laughs) So this body gore art, whether it be in movies or sculpture, are you arguing that it's... That maybe it's about feeling... Like, this woman's work is obviously also about racial generational trauma and the physical cost of, of... the real actual bodies and people who gave their lives and flesh to our beautiful white life. Right. Um, but, but it, and it's, but it's on a still bigger falls, note. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it that still is, falls under the category of, I need to feel my humanity and I need you to feel my humanity as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, go ahead. So I'm, I guess my argument is like, maybe it, it's, sort of extrapolating it out to other body horror things that aren't nearly as well refined as her work. Um, like, you know, saw or saw two or how many saws can they make? I don't even I, know. <laughs> um, haven't maybe seen any it's of them. A, yeah. What did you say? <laughs> haven't seen any of them. I haven't either. I, I can't, I, I like read the uh, premise and I was like, forget it. No way. I'm not into that. Um, to me, it's just torture porn. It's like, it's not actual feeling your humanity. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So humanity, quote unquote, <laughs> is, uh, never mind. That's another anyway, episode, isn't it? <laughs> it is a, yeah. I don't even think that's this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right that's there just as well. another conversation. <laughs> that's um, a- so anyway, let's transition into what you have for me. How's okay. that? Okay. So Mike, Mike has something for me. I have not seen it at all. He refused to even. There's nothing show. to show. Okay. So you just had an idea. I just had an idea because I had an argument with my students with it. Hmm. Um, talking about a little bit of theater. I teach uh, theater and theater history. And when we get into the theater history of the dark ages and the medieval period. Like the moving tableaus and stuff? Yeah. Well, theater is suppressed to the point of almost nothing. 
And one of the one of the weird inconsistencies of the church, they claimed that theater was sinful, performing was you know heresy. Um, unfortunately, however, the church during the late medieval period was starting to use theater and theater techniques and performance to get people back into the church. Yeah, I'm nodding. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's just one of those weird little facts that, despite the fact that they tried to literally wipe out these performing arts, they had to rely on them to survive, which I think is ironic. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my students got into this discussion about church being art, the act of going to church. Is it art? Is religion? art oh god <laughs> it's a it's a big subject it's a big overarching but i it, it fascinates me to no end because in uh, go ahead well as someone who has a comparative religion degree in addition to the art school stuff i would say that the ritual of mass or, you know, say, you know, even if you're talking about Protestant services or whatever services that you're talking about, um, yeah, they're definitely a performance. It's a performance, but is it art? Sure. So. Because in my, okay, I come at this from the idea, number one, I don't follow any religion. Okay. I People don't say, care. What that uh, I know, matter. but for our for our listeners, I've come I'm coming at this from you know, if you have to label me something, atheist is probably gonna be the closest thing. Because uh, I don't even believe in atheism. I just don't, you know, it's not my wheelhouse to pinpoint myself like that. But the idea of go you know, and my family is Irish Roman Catholic. Oh my god. So was mine. I went to Catholic school for nine years, but it, it, that's irrelevant. I don't think it's relevant to, but even the specify. Idea, right. The idea of, but the idea of going to worship is that art. Oh, well, okay. So I guess I took it in the wrong direction. I was well, thinking yes, more about the, I, the ritual of the service. Yes, I, that is very performative. Are you talking about going to church? As I would say, you're probably a participant and a spectator in that regard. Yeah, but um, you're just using the same words as theater. Yeah, but it, I think it's true. <clears throat> do, you, do you want me to elaborate on that? Yeah. My students are in the same boat you are. They, oh, yeah, it's all theater. It's all theater. But somewhere deep in my skull, it's the idea of putting the religion behind all this performative ritual and habit takes it away from art. Oh, but why? Because so much of it is, I mean, we have so much art that's religious art. Right. I mean, just visually speaking, we have... Again, yeah, again, I agree with you. There's so much beautiful work. I mean, some of these churches are magnificent. The carvings mm. are marvelous. The Vatican mm. is exquisite. But if you're, and I appreciate all of it as a non-Catholic, non-anything, you know. Because you can see the beauty in it. You can see right. the, the 
the craftsmanship and the so but just putting but just putting the belief of christianity in your soul and in your heart and in your brain does that change the artwork into something else no and let me let me say well yes and no let me say when you first started talking this is where i went with it and again this is knee-jerk reactions so (laughs) yes so this is where i went with it and this is in part um based on my studies and sort of my own experiences with sort of non-traditional religions like wicca or uh, a magic ritual magic and things like that my my first instinct is to say well you know part of what any sort of service is going to be or any sort of ritual is going to be is this attempt to you know make a bridge from this world to a perceived deity or or energy and manipulate it in or or praise it in an effort to meet an end and that's true no matter what religion it is no matter what you're doing i mean and even as a spectator you're a part of the ritual Mm -hmm. because you're surrounded by that those words those sounds those smells those energies uh again my friend steve he seems to be coming up again he calls it the smells and the bells <laughs> because in catholic church they ring the bells you know they, they right it's so it's the whole thing anyway so steve's really on it <laughs> steve is on it steve is amazing steve may by the way he is a wonderful therapist he's seeking he is open to new clients so <laughs> there's a there's a pitch Quick for him plug for steve plug for steve um <laughs> but it's funny because I used to talk to him a lot during my undergraduate. We we went to school together and uh we used to we used to talk about all this stuff on sort of this level. And um so you're you're oh, getting back to what I was saying. You are part of it just by nature but just by the 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 nature of being there. And you know, that's been true no matter how far you take it away from quote unquote primitive rituals to making them more complex and crazy and like you know going to church in your sunday best and putting the priest in a robe and you know having him stand there so if it's just a tool to be manipulating energy in order to get a desired result that is both a craft and an art because theater does the same thing Mm-hmm. put on our best clothes we go or i hope we still put on our best clothes to go to the theater i've seen some stuff lately that just oh i tuck in my shirt yeah oh well yeah i appreciate that <laughs> some people don't i mean i you know wear your best flip-flops i guess but <laughs> sunday go to meet and flip-flops <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but yeah i mean it's still i think my that's, prob- that's where my knee-jerk reaction went was like yeah it's it's you know, it's a tool, it's a skill, it's an art, it's a, a craft. It is. It's all of that. I, I And again, I agree with you. Mm. Um, let me see if I can... Can you... Or do you have a like a sort of... I hear a secondary question in there. No, it's not be, a secondary question, uh, but I think it's kind of a 
using more your, clarified. Yeah, using your question. Your 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 diatribe there too. Uh, diatribe. Thank you. Click. No, just kidding. <laughs> yes, uh, the theater arts are used in the religious sect in the sector you know in in all of them mm-hmm. number my first question is do you need the theatricality do you need the performative elements to worship i think you're right and hang on mm-hmm. do you need it to worship ultimately i don't think so i think in However, theory we don't want to think so i also know yes i agree with you that uh, the tools of theater and showmanship are utilized in ways to manipulate the audience. Now, yes, I, that was, is... I didn't mean to manipulate the audience. I meant to manipulate the energy and like, I'm getting all woo woo here, like to manipulate the energy in the room to, to receive, to, I mean, it, if we want to go Marxist, I can say, yeah, it's, it's you know, bread and circuses, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're trying to manipulate opiate of the masses and da, 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 da. But um, I meant to manipulate the energy in the room to, to achieve a desired end, like more like um, sympathetic magic or. Okay. I think that's, that's where. That's a deeper. Right. Cause question. again, as a theater artist, yes. We use every trick we can to manipulate the energy in the room uh-huh. to an end. But to get you to I'll, feel something, to get yeah, you to I think be transported. The, the end, you know, our end purposes is again a somehow a feeling of communal joy, one way or another. And that phrase again, I already know your argument can be a it can be applied directly to mass, the religious experience. A religious experience. I what about think, the idea that theater is a religious experience? Maybe thing. you meet a higher power in that place. It's transportive. It's transcendent. It brings you to a better sense of yourself in the world. That yeah, but that's not our end goal. How do you know? Because uh, I work in the theater, and uh-huh. well, <laughs> and that's most not the, your end goal. <laughs> most, well, our end goal isn't to—it's not necessarily to, you know, create the rapture and everybody just shoots into the heavens on a beam of blue well, light. Don't be so literal. I'm being well, more I, metaphorical. Well, so am I. You know, are um, you? <laughs> Jesus, this podcast Oops, is only for entertainment purposes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Penn and Teller. They're magicians. They know the tricks. They're masters of what they do, but they know they're masters. And they know, uh, but the, and, and they, they also tell, and they tell people about- that we are bullshit <laughs> artists. We are fooling you. There is no such thing as magic. Right. But that's the thing. What if there was? What if is a big, stupid phrase that gets us nowhere? Oh, says the atheist. But, and I am not (laughs) saying, like, I am very agnostic at this point in my life. But I'm just saying, like, the the religious impulse 
and this is just oh my god we're really going off here the go, religious baby, the, <laughs> the religious impulse is endemic to the human experience I don't care if you're an atheist or not, you're still going to go out and try and find the transcendent and your connection to a higher, whether it's a higher self, a higher power, a a bigger picture, you're going to go out and find it. It is in the human experience. It is built in, Hmm. you know, uh, um... and I think that we seek to find it, whether we're, and whether it's in art whether it's in nature, we go on hikes, we scale mountains, we, you know, uh, sail the seas, we, uh, you know, we go to plays, we go to museums, we, we have sex, we, we, we drink and have revelry, we, we look for something other than just the sort of day to day. And that's my argument. Okay. That's my that th- this is all my knee-jerk reaction. Right, <laughs> and I and I and it's making me think. Mm. Which may or may not be a good idea. <laughs> um depends on what you want to do later. I don't know. I'm just going to go sit in a bathtub for a while. I'm I'm going <laughs> to go have a beer. Um uh see, you're going to go have a beer. I'm not doing it for religious reasons. I just want a beer. <laughs> You know, I don't want to transcend. I don't need a new experience. I just like the taste of beer. You okay? do? That is gross. Um, <laughs> That's so gross. Okay. Next episode is beer art. Yes. Beer. Next episode. I, people would say that, I guess, brewing beer is an art or craft or some shit. I don't know. I'm okay. Just... So here's an idea. Uh, here, let me let me, let me me throw this at you. Okay. Um, I, on my other podcast, I do art nerds and I talk to artists just about mm-hmm. the thing. Um, Look it up. Available on all your streaming services everywhere. And a lot of them, a lot of the artists talk about their audience and a lot of them talk about those oh. rare instances where the performance is going so right and the audience is with them in such a perfect way that in this metaphorical sense, everybody in the room is existing in the exact same time, in the exact same space, in the exact same moment, and feeling the exact same thing. And what are they feeling? Depends on the show, of course, but it's the moment that they all come together. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that stays for just a brief flash or if you're fortunate enough to last an hour or two in those moments where the entire room is. In the same in space, this wonderful space, this f- wonderful headspace. Um, is that what you would call a religious experience? I would call it a transcendent experience. I would call it a liminal experience. I guess is more the technical term. In religious studies, there's a term um, thrown around a lot about liminality. It's uh, the idea that between the physical and the spiritual, there's this space that exists in between it. The Irish call it the thin space. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a space of crossing over a transitional, a transitional space. And, um, and in that place, it sounds like 
those that spiritual and that physical plane sort of become one and that liminality is breached. And so that collective experience then becomes transcendent. It takes you out of your sense of just being a meat sack on this planet. So it's bigger than that. Um, it's funny because, and this is just my own personal, um, interest. I, I'm a big U2 fan and I was watching, uh, I was watching an interview with Bono today. He wrote a, a book and he was doing an interview at the national cathedral in Washington, DC. And, um, the interviewer who is John Meacham, who is a very interesting author was talking to him about the spiritual aspect of their work. And one of the things that he was talking about, Bono was talking about was the fact that when you two started, they really wanted to do some good in the world. And in, in one sense, he meant their social justice projects, which of which there have been many, uh, mm -hmm. and their, their sort of political music of, of which there is much, but also I think he meant, and he talks about it in his book quite a bit, um, that he meant it to be sort of in service to a bigger purpose. And, and he realized that, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying, that the communal joy of concerts and songs can be in service to the transcendent. They can become transcendent. And there's this joke among you two fans that going to see them is like going to church. And I've experienced it where you're all in that same place in the same room and you're all singing the same song and you're all sort of in this, this, um, place where you're feeling the connectedness and the bigger sense of yourself as part of a community, as part of a humanity, as part of, you know, a lifting up. And I think that probably happens for other, you know, fans of other bands and other, you know, theater experiences. I think that's what you're sort of referring to. That makes ba sense. By the way, Bono is a very devout Christian. So I think that's an interesting uh, right. take. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. And it is, it does sound like what I'm trying to talk about or what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say or what I'm trying to describe. Um, yeah. And Bono aside, whether you like him or not, I mean, he's, he is sort of talking about, a bigger truth to right and yeah. you know his truth has a religious base in there somewhere mm -hmm. and that's fine i'm not that's not my argument um no i think what i'm realizing is that i'm mad at the church for needing all the stuff i'm good at <laughs> <laughs> Are you mad because the church? I'm, not, I'm mad's not the right word. Um, it's like, may I'm, I'm so you know maybe I've, I'm feeling very possessive of my art. Oh, I see. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, and it's you're like, like I don't want it to be used to promote your platform. I just <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> you don't need this place. They can do it down at the storefront over here. <laughs> you don't need this church. Uh, Pope doesn't need a gold chair. Well, he doesn't. But I mean, I think that 
it is the smells and bells um, part of it. We don't want to get all Brechtian about it, right? We don't want to be just like uh, stripping away all the props and the the lights and the showmanship for the words or the the political platform. I mean, there are churches that do exist in like uh, strip malls now, and they're just you know folding chairs and tables. I mean, and certainly from a Christian perspective, Jesus would have said, that's all you need. You don't need. And I think that's what I'm, I struggle with when I, that's what I was. Yeah. You're kind of like seeing the hypocrisy in it or the, or the, the internal conflict of if you need all this stuff to get to God, you know, why? I think that's it. You know, if it's, if you're really, if you're really devout, why do you need the giant backdrop of the pulpit? You know, are some people, you know, like you said, the, the smells and bells, are mm -hmm. people going to worship or are people there going to ooh and ah over the artwork? What is the purpose? I think is, well, and, and, I, and my answer is that is that sometimes it takes the smells and bells to get to get there. Yeah, for some people, and I I think that's true. I mean, in the theater, we need all the smells and bells. But we know that we know we're providing the smells and bells, and that's kind of, you know, that's what we do. You want to come see the goofy stuff that we do? That's exactly what we're doing. We want to show that crap off. We're not doing it for any other reason other than to say, look at the cool crap we do. That's not true. You don't think so? You're not even seeing the circular part of your argument. Which is that you also want the collective experience and the transcendent moment. I, I do, but they're not necessary for everything I do. If people walk away happy not having... <sighs> If people walk, you know, if people walk away pissed off, if people walk away going, eh, the idea that you've, co you know, we've collected in something communal is enough for me. Mm. Okay. I don't need that don't... moment at every show. Well, okay. I don't either, but. You know, part of the fun is driving home and discussing it with my wife does everybody do that on their way home from church discuss how good the show was i don't know they might discuss how good the the reading was or what they got out of the gospel did this week selection this week and maybe i mean it also goes back to like what you were saying earlier about the medieval period where they did take those tableaus around during the plague. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the plague, the, the tableaus of, you know, death and, you know, repent from sin and all that, because they believe the plague was related to some, right. The sort of punishment of the from God, the, the station yeah. of the cross. Like, yeah. So I don't know. This could go on forever. It could. <laughs> and I'm a horrible cynic about it too. So I think, I know. <laughs> And I'm not. So there you I go. I know. 
<laughs> I think we should probably say goodbye there. Yes. Um, thanks for tuning in. And, and thanks for participating in our first knee-jerk reaction. We're going to yes. try this again another day. We'll try this again another day. So thanks for being a fan of our podcast. And uh, till next time. Always ask, but is it art? <laughs> Thank you so much for your attention and patronage. If you truly enjoy this podcast, please like, subscribe, follow, download, and add a comment if you wish to join in the conversation. Please join us again on this enlightening podcast, but is it art? <laughs>